Hello, friends, and welcome again to another episode of the Potluck Podcast. I'm Jared Cornut. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Matt Hensley and Alan Murray. Guys, how are y'all doing on this nice Friday uh, afternoon? Magically exhausted and thrilled to see your face. You've been preaching the third and sixth grader, third through sixth grade, right? Yes, it's it's so much fun. Like let let me preach to angry like deacons and old ladies at my church all day long. It's the third through sixth graders that scares me to death, man. That man, it's it's unreal. So yeah, it, it, it's been great though. I love that, Alan. How are you, man? I am soggy. Um, I've, I've been in the rain uh, much of the day, and there's no end in sight. Uh, it looks like we've got another eight days of rain forecasted ahead of us. So I'm, I'm drowning in both meetings coming up this coming week and rain falling from the heavens. See, I can't believe this. Uh, we're expected to get five to eight inches of snow here in Dallas, Texas, Sunday night. Another one to three inches Monday and another one to three inches Wednesday. And we're not getting above freezing till next Friday. And so I never thought I would have to cancel church or figure out what we're going to do, whether to just go online only or uh, just say, hey, don't be dumb. Only come if you're close to the church uh, this Sunday because it's going to be uh, – there's going to be a lot of snow, uh, allegedly. I'll believe it when I see it. i got two little boys downstairs who are going to be very disappointed if there is no snow and a wife who's going to be very disappointed too. But, hey, guys, we're not here alone today. We're excited that we have got Dr. Ed Litton joining us to share why he is running for president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Dr. Litton, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. It's good to meet you, and it's great to be on your podcast. Well, great to have you here with us. Uh, as everybody knows, the annual meeting is rapidly approaching in June, where we'll be in Nashville this year. And uh, we got four people who've already uh, b- uh, been announced that they will be nominated at the annual meeting for SBC president, Dr. Litton being one of those. So uh, why don't you give our listeners just a glance into your life? Who are you? Who's your family? What's your ministry? Sure. Well, I was I actually started out as a church planter in Arizona, uh, not too far from uh, where Matt's at there in southern New Mexico. I was in Tucson and I went there after seminary. And um, I actually worked for nine months for the Arizona Southern Baptist Convention and found out I'm a retail guy. I'm not a wholesale guy. <laughs> and so I, uh, God's call clearly was to uh, pastor. And so we started a work there in 1987, and uh, it was in the middle of a horrible recession, but I'm telling you, God moved, and we just, uh, he gave us such grace to be able to reach unsaved people, unchurched people, people who had never darkened the door of a church, and uh, it just blew up on us in a great way, and we had seven and a half wonderful years there. My wife and I then were led of the Lord to come to Mobile, Alabama, and let me just say, for the record, there's no two places on the planet I'm aware of that are more different. Uh, Tucson is dry. The only umbrella we owned was in our uh, hall closet and it had dry rotted in the seven years we were there. So get to Mobile, I constantly have to buy umbrellas. And uh, we're in the middle of rain right now, as usual, very wet season. But when from that culturally, it was an extremely different environment. And so uh, it was uh, it was quite the challenge. I've been here at a church called Redemption Church now for this summer will mark 27 years. So uh, I'm married. Uh, my wife, Tammy, and I had three children together, and then she was killed in a, a car accident in 2007. And uh, then uh, God brought a, a woman into my life whose husband was a pastor in Denver, Colorado, Rick Ferguson, and he was killed in a car accident in 2002, I think it was. And, 
And so we have a very unique uh, relationship, a unique uh, story to tell. Uh, we, we encounter a lot of people in our grief condition and, and God has just blessed us. Uh, I've been, my friends say I've, I've been struck twice by lightning. I married two amazing women. Obviously, one was exhausted, cried out to heaven. Heaven took her home. And so the other one stepped up for round two. But anyway, uh, but no, it's it's wonderful. And we we have a real heart for our church has a real heart. We share a heart for church planting all over, all over the world, but all over. Uh, uh, particularly, we put a lot of concentration on the West. Uh, but uh, we're planting in Puerto Rico. We've planted in New York. We've planted in Cleveland. And right now, the Washington, D.C. area. So planting is a huge part of our lives and our ministry. I love that. My sister recently moved to Mobile. So my favorite trivia to throw at people is, what is the rainiest city in the United States? And everybody says Seattle, but it's not. It is Mobile, Alabama. Yes, it's and Mobile, so, Alabama. It sure yep. is. And Mobile is also the founding place for Mardi Gras. And uh, Yes, that, 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 so, I know you cannot tell somebody from Mobile that Mardi Gras started in New Orleans because that will start uh, a fight. Now, they've improved it on the wickedness end, but we, we still, <laughs> it's pretty wicked down here, too. So trust me, especially uh, when Baptists get involved with it. And here's my last fun fact about Mobile. Every New Year's, they don't drop the, the glass ball like New York does. They drop a moon pie. Moon uh, pie, so Alan, big you, time. You would love that, Alan, because you love moon pies. Well, Dr. Linton, um, we know that Fred Luter, uh, former SBC president, is going to be nominating you at the annual meeting. And uh, I just want to know, when he approached you about that, I'm sure you and your wife prayed about it. Uh, why did you decide to say, yes, now's the time, I'll do this? Well, that's a great question. You know, Adrian Rogers always said that, that when it comes to the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, the office seeks the man, the man doesn't seek the office. And, uh, and it's possible that, obviously, it's still obvious that that's not being concluded yet. It won't be until June whether the office really sought me, but people approached me and said, uh, we really believe you need to pray about this. And we agreed to pray about it. I had long since ever given up any thoughts of that ever happening in my life. I, I've been blessed to serve in the SBC. I was first vice president when James Merritt was the president. I've been on committees and been on a board or two. And, and so I love uh, our convention. I love uh, what it's about, what it, what it, is at its best. And uh, so I, um, I was willing to serve, but I really felt in the process of praying through it, I felt a call of God to do it. And he didn't say you're going to win, but to at least engage in a process that can be very intimidating, can be all kinds of things, especially in the kind of climate our culture has right now when it comes to political things. And so um, th th so we did. We prayed about it and we felt God giving us a clear direction. I also have a very supportive uh, church family that um, that I sought wisdom and counsel from elders and leaders in our church. And um, they were all affirmative and uh, just believing that God has prepared us for leadership. You shared how different Tucson was from Mobile. And uh, I in the way that you sort of described where you live and where you are serving, it's probably not too dissimilar from the SBC at large. You know, we've we've got all different backgrounds, all different kind of baggage, all different her heritages and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, do you believe that that has in, in a way, and of course, of course not presuming anything or uh, being presumptive, but do you think that has uniquely qualified you to maybe speak to some of the SBC issues at large? Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure how it's qualified me, but I know this. Uh, I have a lot of experiences 
with like exactly like you said, with a variety of situations, we have no two churches alike. And, and I, sometimes I, I get concerned in our convention of churches that some people want to make us all toe the same line. And, and I think what's unique about Southern Baptist, Great Commission Baptist, uh, is that we have, uh, a, we have a, a common conviction about the Baptist faith and message. And that is that we, we have some room there to be unique, a unique expression of God's grace in cities. Uh, I believe uh, far more important, great, let me just add this note too. My greatest honor in life is, wouldn't be to be president of the SBC. My greatest honor is to pastor a local church. And it's been said often, but it is the headquarters of the SBC. And, and so uh, I, I treasure our autonomy and uh, seek to protect that at all costs. Uh, and understand that it has become problematic in some ways too, but but it is very important that uh, that the local church remain the center of what we do as the uh, as a convention. And, and so when I look at it, I, I think I'm concerned about people that would say, you know, everybody has to do it this way. Everybody has to say it this way. Because I want to promise you, the churches we we sponsor five churches in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, their mission field is extremely different from Mobile, Alabama. So, you know, it's interesting, too. In missions, we started out doing inter international missions before we really engaged in North American missions. And uh, we learned a lot about letting missionaries be the ones who drive the direction of the work that's there. Because every culture is different. And America is becoming increasingly uh, different cultures that have collided here. I certainly can appreciate uh, your appreciation for the wide varying churches that we have in our convention, um, especially that statement that you made that there are no two, two churches that are alike. Um, I think that's so true. Uh, and as you, you move forward, as we make our way towards June, uh, I watched this past week a video, I believe, put out by your church where you uh, express things that you'd like to see take place uh, if you are in the position of president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, for our folks that may have not seen that video, would you like to share with them what your your vision and goal for the Southern Baptist Convention would be if you're elected president in Nashville? Well, that's thank you. Yes. First of all, it's unity. Unity is critical uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention. So what is it that unifies us? It's not sameness, as we just described. It's the Great Commission. Uh, a concern that I have is that somehow we have dropped the influence of the Great Commandment on the Great Commission. And the way I express it is the gospel is the heart of our unity, but the love of Jesus is the heart of the gospel. And, and so that, that really does teach us how we are to react and respond to one another in this process. And the things, not just what we disagree about, but how we disagree. Jesus said, by this, they will know you're my disciples, that you love one another. So it's reminding ourselves what our unity really is. It's not that we all look alike, think alike. Um, or dare I say, vote alike. It's, it's because we have the same Savior who, out of his great mercy and grace, saved us and called us to be his ambassadors in this world. And so we agree to do that together because we really believe that we can do better together than separate. And, and I honestly, and I, I think the, the International Mission Board, North American Mission Board, need, need to be at the center of that unity. They because those are the mechanisms we agree are powerfully or can be powerfully effective to take the gospel to the nations and to this nation. I'm proud of things like uh, disaster relief because 
that's really engaging people at a point of suffering, the point of pain and sorrow that that just gives us such an open door. And what a what an amazing ministry that is. So unity, I think, it would be primarily. Uh, I think the other one, other ones, would be along the line of more diversity in our leadership. Uh, I I will continue to appoint and seek to appoint people that from, have different backgrounds, um, and to to help make sure that we 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 continue on a path of including becoming more diverse. What's interesting to me. In the last 30 years, a study was done, and we have, a, we have done better at church planting and reaching people through African-American churches, Asian-American churches, and Hispanic churches. Those have grown, uh, they have multiplied dramatically, while Anglo churches have declined. And, and so we want all of our churches to prosper. We want all of our churches to flourish uh, but what we're seeing is that God is bringing the nations to us. How do we reach them if we're all, we all look alike, think alike, watch the same news programs and vote alike? So that, that unity, again, is not sameness, but that diversity is important. I think it's very important that, uh, that we, we, we learn to be a family, that we learn to, to disagree uh, understanding that relationship is more important than our opinions. And we can get very passionate about our opinions and, and passionate about our convictions theologically. Um, but we have to make sure we continue to always look to the gospel uh, because the world watches us and they watch us very closely. And can I, I want to interrupt before Jared asks a very good question uh, to, to just share along the lines of what you we're talking about you. You are a very encouraging follow on Twitter. Um, well before SBC candidacy, all of that kind of stuff, uh, I, I was able to follow you and, and vice versa, and have always been a very uh, good source of encouragement on social media. And I think we can all uh, four of us agree that that's not always the most fun uh, place to be in the world. Uh, mm. Everybody has a voice, everybody has a keyboard, and some some people, uh, you know, type away out of hate or anger or frustration and uh, cut people down, tear people down. Others use that keyboard to lift people up. Uh, could kind of take in the presidency off off the table for just sure. a second. Why, why do you believe it's important on the social media side of things uh, when it comes to the Southern Baptist Convention? Uh, that we we kind of remember there's this thing called the golden rule uh, in scripture that, that we ought to treat others the way we want to be treated. You know what? It's a great question. I, I don't understand. Uh, it's, a, it's like we forget in our frustration or our anger or, or whatever that we forget that the world watches us. And, and it's not a private chat room. It, it is. It's the entire world. And so we should, um, I think we should be careful how we encourage. I think we, you, sometimes you have to address issues, but it has to be done by the love of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, I, I, in, the, in many years past, I have been the kind of guy who would fire off my opinion quickly. And uh, it's incredibly humbling to lose the love of your life. It's humbling to go through suffering and pain. 
And I know the benefit of that has been that God has helped me to see how arrogant, how self-absorbed, and how sometimes I made an idol out of certain things in my life, even my, my reputation, uh, to the point that, that I felt like I had to speak and that people had to hear me. And so it's interesting how that has changed and as God's been working in my life to bring me to that point of brokenness and seeing how broken I am and always have been. And so I tend to tweet in the morning. I'm a morning tweeter, and it's out of my time with the Lord. Um, and, and I'll just tell you guys real quick, as a pastor, I always knew and I always preached that you should have a daily quiet time with the Lord. I knew that, but I wasn't doing it because the things that were on my calendar and on my schedule, uh, lack of discipline, a whole bunch of things. But boy, God, God broke me. He, he brought me through a crisis years ago that I went through to John chapter 15 about abiding because the real power that we need is in abiding. It's in him. And that sap on the inside of that vine is the Holy Spirit. So uh, I made a commitment to the Lord that I would spend every day, the best part of my day, the first part of my day in his presence, worshiping him and, uh, and ultimately to encourage other people from what, what he is saying in my life. Now I don't tweet everything. Um, some, some, some of it is, is too profound even for me to understand. So but I do, I do believe that we have a great platform in places like Twitter to encourage, speak truth, and, and speak truth to power, speak truth to love. Well, thanks for ruining my sermon for the third through sixth graders. Now that I know that the inside of the vine is the Holy Spirit, I have to go back and re-record it. I'm sorry. Time. That's Thank my you. interpretation. <laughs> it's, he's the sap. He's the yeah. power. So he's the one it. that makes things happen in this old dried up branch of mine. So. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you a two-part question. So I'll ask the first one and you can answer to that. And then I'll, I'll ask the second one, you know, depending on who you listen to, you know, the, the Sunday Baptist convention is just doom and gloom. We're falling apart. It's, it's horrible. It's not working. Uh, I reject that kind of nonsense. Um, we're 46,000 very different churches. We're not perfect by any stretch, but we are better together. When you look at our convention right now, what excites you the most about the future of the SBC? Great question. I'm excited about several things. I mentioned a while ago our disaster relief. There's a real hunger that's cross-generational uh, to engage people in crisis and difficulty. But, but I want to see that grow even more. I, I, think, um, I, I think that's something that encourages me. I'm encouraged by our seminaries. Uh, and I'm not talking about professors and presidents, although I love them. Thank God for them. But I, I'm, I'm encouraged by people that are studying to lead in ministry. I I invest a lot in young, young leaders. Um, I have, uh, we do a team teaching approach in our, every week I'm teaching them about preaching. We're studying the same text together. Uh, we preach the same passage on our campuses. We all have, we have live preaching. And so th that's, th that's really important to me. So I'm very encouraged about the generation coming up behind us. I'm concerned about the numbers. I'm concerned that we're not seeing as many men surrender to the role of pastor. And, and that's a real important concern. Uh, and, and, and that's not a seminary problem. Seminaries can't control that. It's the local church. And, and there's, there's, especially with COVID, there's tremendous discouragement. And, uh, and so, but back to what encourages me. Um, I, think, I think we've got some amazing leaders in our convention. Uh, some people are aware of, others uh, they're not so aware of. But I think there's some people 
that just have clarity. And, and, and working with church planners, it, it's amazing because people call me their mentor. But in reality, I practice reverse mentoring. I learn from these guys so much uh, about even communication. On my preaching team, I've got a guy that's 26, 27-ish. A couple of years ago, we were preaching on a very sensitive passage dealing with a very difficult issue of uh, same-sex attraction. And I will tell you, 20 years ago, that message would have been up here. It would have been real heavy, very emotional, very hard-hitting. Boom. My nickname was Hard-Hitting Ed Litton, you know? And so boom, 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 boom. It's like a howitzer. And, uh, and the, when we got finished, because I was trying, I told myself, I'm trying to be sensitive here. I, I want to be careful because I don't think that works effectively. But um, finally, we got through the whole thing. He stopped. He said, Pastor, you need to watch your tone. And at first, I thought, hey, I'm not used to being talked to like that. But he was spot on. And I said, well, show me. And he walked through several things. He said, I can tell you get emotional about this. And he said, just be careful with that. He said, because teenagers, and he was our student pastor at the time, he said, teenagers are reading that in a different way. They don't care what, about what you're saying about the issue. They care about how you say it. And I'm going to just tell you, you can take that too far. You can debate that all you want. But for that moment, for me, that was a clar clarion moment. And, and now, on a side note, I had more comments about that message and its tone than I'd ever had from a sermon. And so to me, that's extremely encouraging. I, I think a greater involvement of different ethnicities in our convention is a very encouraging thing. Uh, it's challenging because of our uh, the kind of pressure that, that our culture is under when it comes to issues called racial issues. And so I, I think I'm encouraged, though, that there are people who are staying at the table. And, and that's, that, that's hopeful for me. Sorry. That's good. I mean, I, I think we have a lot of reasons to be encouraged. But on the flip side of that, I wouldn't imagine that you're running for SBC president if you didn't have some concerns. You mentioned that, you know, not enough guys going into the pastorate. That's a concern yeah. that a lot of people have. Uh, but looking ahead, too, what are some other things that might concern you about the future of the SBC and why you're running? I'm concerned that um, that we may be drifting, but not drifting into liberalism. I think we're drifting into a form of fundamentalism that concerns me. And it's where we are all held to a standard of a few, and we don't have the freedom um, to to continue being who we are, representing Christ in our, in our context and, and working out those details. Um, it's, I, I'm, I, I think we're best when we debate, when we discuss, but when, when we have people on Twitter blowing other people away uh, because they don't meet whatever, that's, that's, that's disheartening. And, and I don't know, again, I, I, listen, I think I understand the limitations of the office of president of the SBC. Um, but, but at least with influence, I, I want to raise that conversation level. And, um, and I, I think, I think people are ready for that, to be honest with you. I'm still a young pastor. I'm 30. I think it's when you hit 40, you're no longer a young pastor. So Matt's almost there, but I'm not there uh, yet. And I, I know before I got to the senior pastor, it was very easy for me to critique what other churches did. Uh, I don't do that anymore because yeah. now I'm the one getting critiqued for decisions I make, and it's just not worth it. It's I right. mean, just you know they're doing the best they can in their context to reach people the gospel, and I'm doing the same thing. Alan, I know you want to ask uh, our final question, which might be our most 
important question. Yeah, so here at the Potluck Podcast, uh, we discuss two things almost every time we gather around the table. Uh, we discuss the Southern Baptist Convention, which we have discussed at length, but the second is Southern culture. And so what we love to do when we have guests to come on, um, we don't always have a preset Southern culture question. We just like to ask them, when you think of Southern culture, what is quintessential Southern culture to you? When you think the South, what comes to mind? Besides butter beans, um, I think um, I, I can't divorce it from football. Uh, when I think of the South, when I think of Southern culture, I think of passive aggression. <laughs> so sweet as can be. Thank you so much. Uh, but yeah, I think of that. Um, I, I think some of the most amazing people in the world. And, and I'm going to tell you what I'm most grateful for with Southerners is that things don't have to go their way. Uh, they're going to be faithful. They're, they're going to be faithful to give to the cooperative program. They're going to be faithful to give to their local church. They really do care. And they, at the same time, they care less how they appear on social media. They're just going to be faithful to the Lord. I think that's the best of Southern culture. And, uh, and I'm grateful for it. I, I love, let me tell you guys, I love my church and, and my church has loved me. I want to say this in Tucson and I love Tucson. I love my people, but there is not the cultural respect of a pastor. Now this is diminishing in the South. And, and I'm not sad to see it go in some ways, uh, but, but the reality is there is a great love and respect that, that for the Lord that boils over, I think, on other people. I, I have one final question. Um, Dr. Litton, I want you to come on record on something. In Nashville in June, will you still have the beard? <laughs> I hope so. Okay. I, this is my COVID beard. Here's the amazing thing. I've never... <laughs> growing a beard in my life. I just assumed, you know, I look like a chemo patient and it, when I ever tried, but I never tried over two or three days, but uh, I'll probably keep it. All uh, right. My wife likes it. So you know what? That's all that matters. That's what matters, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. You may get some votes just for being uh, <clears throat> the only candidate with a beard. Just saying. I know that's important I, for some folks. I always recommend having a beard because it grows on you. Uh, <laughs> that's true and, that's and it catches the food you miss the butter beans <laughs> that you miss you know so so can i ask a question about butter beans real quick sure yeah um i, I know you you got a little serious on southern culture and i appreciate all those things so when you say butter beans are we talking green butter beans or speckled butter beans uh actually uh, blonde butter beans are my favorite i don't know what oh, those see, are anyway that's a they, new one on me they're in, like in, white in, butter in, beans i think i think it's what they okay. call them but they have them around here and i don't know what they do to them but listen man you put butter in anything, it's going to get good, right? And so butter beans are good. I love those. And they fry everything down here. But I want to tell you guys, if you've never been to Alabama, you need to try Koneka sausage. He's having a fit. We have a sausage that is the best I've ever tasted. And so I typically have it several times a week, if not every morning, some weeks. So Koneka every sausage. Time, every time we come home. Yeah. Every time we come home to Alabama, we uh, load up some for us and put it in the freezer in Texas and break it out on the weekends for the boys. It's it's the absolute best. Now, it's well, starting to spread out. Walmart's starting to carry it in Texas and other places, so look for a grocery store near you. It's good. We can get it here in North Carolina at Publix. And, good. Uh, I have bought it before, and uh, I like to put it on the smoker uh -huh. um, when I'm cooking barbecue. Um, Absolutely. And... 
uh, it, it works really good. I, I do a baked beans. I have multiple kinds of beans. Here we go, coming back to beans again. But I'll I'll chop up that smoked uh, sausage from them, the hot and spicy, and mix it in the beans, and it's just it's really good. I'll give you that. It's really good. <laughs> well, one of the cult. Do you, do you have a second for a story, real quick yeah. story? Yeah. Okay. One of the cultural encounters I had came early on. I had a, a guy die, and I went to do his funeral. Went to comfort his his wife. I'd never seen this in my life. They the, and the the casket was open. And it was all in houndstooth. And uh, it had a big A on it, embroider, embroidered. And he had a houndstooth shirt on. He had a hat. He had one of those Bear Bryant hats. And, and the flowers, everything was Alabama, Alabama, Alabama football. And uh, and so I was comforting her. And I said, well, we know where he's at. And she said, he's in heaven with Bear Bryant. <laughs> I, said, I said, I'm not sure Bear made it. <laughs> oh, my word. That was apostasy. And so I had to learn early on, you have to kind of back it down a little bit when it comes to that. Oh, so. That's one of the running jokes for me and some of my friends when something happens, you know, somebody gets canceled or some of like that. We said, well, they've gone to be with Coach Bryant uh, because <laughs> in Alabama, that's up in heaven looking down at us. That's right. That's uh, right. Dr. Linton, I'd like to say uh, thanks for joining us. I think people got some great insight to who you are. I'd also like to say Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Uh, that really that, that wooed me over, so that was great. But no, seriously, thank you for joining us here at the podcast. We appreciate you coming and uh speaking with us it was a great honor hey i'm still looking for the meal where's the food at this i thought we were well uh nashville we're, we're, we're gonna organize uh, we'll see what covid uh, looks like in nashville but maybe the world's biggest potluck but yeah uh, come to nashville we'll have a good time together. So, somebody tried to figure out like the electrical requirements we were going to need for enough crock pots and everything else for the world's largest potluck i think we could pull it off i think we I think could we do could. it at the sbc that would yeah. be interesting It'd that would smell amazing. great yeah yes. Well, friends, thank you again for joining us for another episode of the Pilot Podcast. Uh, look to learn more about Dr. Linton as the uh, months go by and we go to the annual meeting. We hope you had your fill and your full. Join us next time. Same Baptist time, same Baptist hour. Stay Baptist, my friends.